Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones, and I'm here to share another quiet talk with you. In my talk on Rachel about a week and a half ago, I mentioned in passing how important it was to women in Old Testament times to have children. To be barren was a great disgrace. Today's talk is about another woman who couldn't have children. Her name was Hannah. Her story is found in the first two chapters of 1 Samuel. Again, we have a story of polygamy. Hannah's husband was named Elkanah, and Elkanah's other wife was named Peninnah. The dynamic here is very similar to the story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah. In this case, Hannah was the favorite of her husband, and just like in the previous story, the favorite wife was unable to bear children, while the unfavored one was. Hannah's inability to conceive caused her great anguish, to use her own words. On top of the bare fact that she couldn't have a child, Elkanah's other wife, Peninnah, would taunt and provoke her grievously because she had given her husband children, but Hannah had not. Imagine what this woman was going through. Remember that we're told here that it was the Lord who had closed Hannah's womb. There are other places in Scripture where we are told that God opens and closes the womb. You will remember that Abraham lived in Canaan as a foreigner, even though God had promised to give the land to Abraham's descendants. He lived among the inhabitants of the land from the time he entered Canaan until his death. At one time, Abraham sojourned in the south, where the ruler of the people there was called Abimelech. Because Sarah was so beautiful, Abraham was afraid they would kill him to get his wife. So he asked her to pass as his sister. When Abimelech saw Sarah, he took her. But in a dream, God warned him that Sarah was a married woman. Abimelech returned her to Abraham, but not before God's judgment fell on his people. Abimelech is understandably perturbed with Abraham for the deception, but he gives gifts out of his wealth to Abraham. Then we are told, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. God judged the house of Abimelech by closing the wombs of all his wives. Fruitfulness is a blessing, but barrenness is a curse. So you might ask, why was Hannah cursed? Well, her barrenness wasn't permanent, but still, this was obviously a condition that she didn't want to be in. It was very hard on her. Are you in a situation that is difficult right now? Do you feel that God has let you down or even deliberately put you in a bad place? What is your response? What did Hannah do in response to this anguish of not being able to have a child? Before we answer that, we are again reminded of a similar event in the life of Abraham and his wife Sarah. Sarah was not able to have a child, and yet God had long promised 
that he would make Abraham a great nation. What to do? Abraham and Sarah decided to help God out. Sarah gave her husband her maid Hagar so they could have an heir by her. This effort to do things their own way brought no end of grief and trouble. Hannah didn't do this. Instead, she took her problem to the Lord. One day, when Hannah and her family had gone up to the tabernacle to worship, the Bible says, She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. The high priest saw Hannah's earnest prayer, and after he determined that it was actually prayer that he was witnessing, assured her that God would give her the answer she sought. Indeed, when Hannah and her family returned home, she became pregnant. She named the child Samuel, which means asked of God. When we have a major need or problem, we can either ask God for help or take matters into our own hands. When we don't seek God, like Abraham and Sarah, we cause ourselves all kinds of trouble. I'm glad Hannah didn't take matters into her own hands, but she took it to the Lord. As we've already pointed out, Hannah's desire for a child was intense. It was not some casual thing of minor importance. It was the most important thing in her life. And it was not a selfish thing, just as we've seen that God sometimes closes the womb in judgment. A fruitful womb is a sign of his blessing. The psalmist said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. He goes on to say that one who has many children is blessed of the Lord. So what Hannah wanted was a worthy desire that God put within her. What do you desire? If God would grant you one request, what would it be? Would it be a request that pleases the Lord? Was your desire put there by God? 1 Corinthians 12 tells us to earnestly desire the greater gifts. God has many things he wants to give us, but our desires are often for other things, for temporal things, not eternal things. Desire is very important. Proverb tells us to guard our hearts because everything we do flows from it. One of the ways the Bible uses this idea of the heart is to see it as the seat of desire. We talk about someone having his heart set on something. By that, we mean that a certain object is his one desire. When we have a desire like this, the thing we want is on our minds constantly. The more we think about it, the more we want it. That's why Proverbs said to guard our hearts. What we fill our hearts with is our own responsibility. This is implied by the admonition that on the day of judgment, God will evaluate not only our actions and not only our words, but our thoughts. Paul speaks in 
Romans 2.16 of the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. The psalmist wrote, Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. Our deepest desires are ever before the Lord. It's so important that our desires be set on godly things. How can we reset our desires? As we implied above, what we fill our hearts and minds with is vital. Go to God and pray that prayer of Psalm 38, 9. Say to God, Lord, you know my heart. You know my deepest desires. I want my desire to be for things that you want for me. I want my desire to be for you. I want a heart after God. Would you take from me those vain and empty desires and replace them with yours? God will hear that prayer. After you've prayed this, begin daily to fill your mind with God's word. He will reset your desires and fill your heart with what he wants for you. And then spend time with him daily in prayer and fellowship. Worship and love the Lord in it. Hannah took her needs and desires to the Lord, and he met and answered her. He longs for us to pour out our hearts to him. Let me close with the first verse of a great and much loved hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, in faith, believing you have uh, encouraged us, commanded us to pray, to seek you, to pour out our hearts before you. So we come to you, Lord God, asking you to give us godly desires, Lord God. Take away the vain and empty desires for the things of this world, things that pass away, and help us to desire those eternal things, Lord God, that will bring glory and honor to your name and will further the kingdom of God for which Jesus died. In his precious name we pray, amen. Dear friend, When you do pray, would you pray for our fellowship called the Bread of Life Anglican Church that we are seeking to establish uh, basically from scratch in the Schenectady, New York area. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock in the American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street. If you're in the area, you don't have a church home, we would love to meet you. As always, you may reach me by email at father.danjones at Outlook.com. God bless you.